Hi, everybody. We are back. This is the Home Matters Podcast. I'm Randy Brock, and I'm alongside Ron Whiteman, Lynn Whiteman, and not our guest, our teammate, Ethan Kasky. We've grown a little bit, so we're going to talk about that today. Just to give you a frame of reference here, we are in the smack dab middle of summer in 2021. So when we're talking about the housing market and how it applies, it's pretty specific to that time frame. But speaking of dusting off the podcast, uh, I had to clean off the reel to reel. Ron, did you question? Did you ever own a reel to reel, and how much did you pay for it? Actually. I lusted after one. I mean, I, 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 I admired them in the magazines, but I never mm-hmm. owned a reel-to-reel. Did, you didn't. No. I did. Well, my dad did. So did I grew he? up with a reel-to-reel in the house. It was an Akai? Okay. A- A-K-A-I? Do yes. I, I don't even... Yeah. Do they even make anything anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, it was It was it high like end. like a tuna fish. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> or a fruit juice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was a really nice reel-to-reel, and he had all the... The music collection was in the boxes, but the reel... It seemed like a really tedious thing, but I guess the audio quality is second to none. I've always been a technology geek, and the reel-to-reel was just amazing for its time to watch it play, but I never owned one. That's why I asked. Yes. So that's the icebreaker question of the day. Hey, uh, you know, through the last uh, year and a half that's felt like two decades, we've seen, we've still seen a lot of each other, but it is really refreshing to be uh, back at the table. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Oh, nice. This is one of, one of my favorite times that our team gathers and what we do together and the things we share together. So I'm excited to be back too. Yeah, it's basically a business meeting that we share with as many people who want to listen. That's true. It's a good way to look at it. Talk about real estate. (laughs) And uh, Ethan, real quick, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We'll give you a more in-depth introduction in just a little bit. But we're going to start off by talking a bit about housing, the market, real estate. Things are moving. Everyone's calling it a quote-unquote hot market. It's not a bubble. No, it's not a bubble. It is not a bubble. And it will not end in the next few months. And I would also, you know, it depends on what side you're on. Would you call it a, a hot market? <laughs> <laughs> Red hot. <laughs> you know, it's uh, after being in this industry for 25 years, uh, I didn't think I would ever see anything that would top the 0456 market. But this just actually, I think, blows it out of the water. This has just been an amazing time for anyone who was looking to buy or sell real estate. And um, we've learned a lot, but we roll the punches. And uh, let me just underscore again, it is not a bubble. Well, you just, you compared it to 04, 05, 06. So how's it different? Because that was, right? That was a bubble? Yeah, that was a bubble. And that was uh, that was a market that was artificially inflated. Uh, no regulations on appraisals and, and lending. And so the people that were buying the houses in that market, were not necessarily qualified to be making the purchase that they, that they were. So, you know, when that, when the rug was pulled out, so to speak, from all of us, um, obviously the market crashed. The difference in today's market is the pricing is exceedingly strong, but the people who are buying houses and competing in our market are well qualified, often have cash, um, and and they're 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 going in knowing that what they're doing, for sure. I think right. that is probably the biggest difference that I've seen is in 07, we were doing a lot of 0% down, um, buyers were wrapping in everything. And in this market, buyers are coming 
you know, with 20, 30% down. I mean, they are coming extremely well qualified to step into the housing market in order to compete. And so that's a real shift in our in, in the way we buy houses. It, I mean, it's almost like a throwback to the way they used to do it in the 40s, where you absolutely had to have 20% down in order to step into the housing market, and people used to save to get that. And now I'm seeing buyers doing that again, and it probably in that sense is healthier. And that's not to say that you have to have 20% down, because there are still lenders in town that will do right. the zero, the five, the 10. But those people, again, are, are well-qualified, credit-worthy, uh, income-worthy. Um, there's no fudging the numbers on the other side. So, And we're still seeing them win homes. Absolutely. Right. We're still seeing exactly. right. every qualified buyer being able to get into a home. Absolutely. You know, with everybody. There's always challenges that we face, and we face some challenges, too, even with the people who have a lot of cash. It just depends right. on... You know, what strategy you're taking mm -hmm. when it comes time to write an offer on a house, right? Yeah, because the bottom line it is it isn't always about price. I mean, sellers, sellers have a lot of things that they're balancing and juggling, and it isn't always about just throwing the highest price point at them. Sometimes, you know, offers are more appealing because of the close date or, you know, whatever reason is out there. It's not always about price. So so many terms it comes down to and i know that lately uh we've been we've, we've had a busy 2021 yeah but it has been busier than usual in the last couple months and we've had a lot of listings and just and almost all of them almost mm -hmm. have gone in with with many offers yep so it, i mean there are so many terms that go into it it's not just the purchase price that's been getting these homes and it's especially fun to watch on the listing side of it when mm -hmm. you're not having to scramble um, to put together the offer, but you're scrambling to put together, you know, assemble all the details of all the offers. But it's really kind of fascinating to look and see how different they each are beyond just the purchase price. I think that's probably one of the other changes from when we did have a bubble back in 04. I remember sitting at a lot of sellers' table holding their hands because their house hadn't sold, um, what's wrong with my house, or I mean, you had to price it because they were they were financed over and above market value. I mean, there were just so many difficult things for the sellers that it was, you know, being a listing agent was harder. And and I, you probably remember this too, Ron, just going over and sitting at the table and comforting people that their house would sell. We don't do that as much now. We have to do that with buyers. We have to say, your, your house will come when it's the right house it will happen and I mean we, we're doing a lot more coaching of buyers right now than we are sellers. Yeah to clarify the date you're talking about is 0708 yep yes. and and that was when you, when you think about what our market was like then compared to today it's just it's just polar opposite because we had so many listings that that's all we did with our day is is manage listings and manage expectations and talk to sellers and buyers were non-existent. I mean, they would go for weeks without a buyer showing and uh, it's just polar opposite. So it is pretty interesting. And to underscore it too, I know we talk about how there are multiple offers and listings are going quickly, but uh, we, we always want to caution people about the words always and never. You know, that is so true because I'm sitting here looking at the average for the city days on market and understanding we're going to cover a price range from 100 to 2.4 million but our average city uh, days on market is 31 days 
Now, if you look break that down into individual price points, it's going to vary, but but not all houses sell on a day, for sure. And it's a very uh, it's a very unnerving thing for a seller to hear all of the hype and then sure. be sitting on the market in five days and not have their house sold. Five days, yeah. <laughs> or, or when the panic sets in. You know, yes. Yeah. Five days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. When you're dealing, yeah, it's a lot of expectations. You yes. deal with a lot of expectations. I think it's hard to prep the sellers, too, because we, we, we don't ride the, the hype of the market. And so when we go in on a listing and we're getting ready to put it on the market, we're, we're very clear about this could happen you know what you hear out there there could be you know 20 showings on your house in the first day that is possible but it's very difficult to caution people and get them prepared for that understanding that it could not happen because we just this last weekend had a couple houses go on the market and they did not experience that and it wasn't because their house wasn't worthy of it it was just you know, probably the holiday weekend and things that were going on, but it's really hard to coach them because you want them to be ready to be out of the house for 24, 48 hours if they have to be. But then when that doesn't happen, they go, well, what's up with my house? You know, it, it is a kind of a fine balance we walk with mm-hmm. sellers right now. Yeah, and a lot of people are in that position too with sellers where they're gone for the first three days. They just, you know, your, your home goes on the market, it's gonna be so busy, you wanna be somewhere else so that you're not, you know, it used to be, you, know, you list your house and maybe, you know, three appointments pop up and you can mm-hmm. dance around that pretty easily, but it's it's pretty wild out there. Yeah, you still have time to sweep your floor. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 exactly. So how the, the numbers on the market now, though, are better than when we were talking in February. Yeah. And, and by better, so I just wanna give a little definition to the listener out there too, that, um, by better, we mean it, it's becoming a little bit more even-keeled. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it, actually when I pulled the numbers this morning, I was pleasantly surprised to see that we have 129 houses for sale in Rochester. And we've not, I mean, we've been under 100 for a lot of months um, this year. So, and and again, putting that in context, we could, we could easily handle two or three times that number of houses in this community. But uh, we are at today at 129 houses. Um, for sale. And that's single family. Single family. Available homes yep. across every price range. So from zero, did you say 2.4 million? 2.4 million, yep. Interesting. Yep. I might have to go take a look at the $2.4 million house. I think you should buy it. Yeah, after this <laughs> podcast, we get an advertiser. We're on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so there's a lot of diversity out there. And in, in comparison, I think that's almost double available homes that we had in February. We were close to under 70 at one point. So there are a lot more, which is good. Which is where the competition comes from. Yeah. You know, there are more buyers than there are homes for sale. And to be clear, that's happening nationwide. That isn't just a Rochester phenomenon. It is happening everywhere. And that's why I think to Ron's point, we're not going to work out of this too quickly because um, it is an inventory issue. And what has created that, there are a lot of speculations about that, but we just simply are gonna to have to work through it. Yeah, yeah, There, we are not exceptional, well, we are exceptional here in Rochester, yeah. of course, it's <laughs> of course a wonderful city, but uh, we're, you know, when these stories are in the New York Times and the Washington Post and they're mm-hmm. on all, you're seeing this nationwide, 
You're seeing it right. everywhere, and in small cities and in large cities. And it's, you know, you hear, uh, there's one I've mentioned a couple times, but there's a, a gentleman in Bozeman, Montana, walking around with a sandwich board because they, he and his wife have written 18 offers to get a house. That was earlier in the year, and he's got a sandwich board that says, sell me your house. <laughs> just sell me your house. I want to um, just Please go back. Please sell me your house. Uh, on the 129 houses available, the, 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 the problem that we still have in this community, I'll, I'll call it a problem, is for the first-time home buyers, the median price buyers, the average price of the 121 house, 129 houses we have is $577,000. It's the average. So when you look at the individual price ranges of 300 to 400 or 200 to 300, there's, there's just a few. I mean, there's 12, 13, 14 houses available. So to put that in context, we still do have short inventory, depending yeah. on where you're at. Yeah, to find anything even under 200, it's a rarity, but they're out there. Yep. Well, and Ethan can speak to that because he's been watching. Who? Uh, <laughs> is he here? He's here. He can <laughs> yeah. speak to that because he's been watching one of our neighborhoods that is pretty, um, it, I mean, it's a great example of what you're talking about, that there are some first, first-time first homebuyers, entry level, there's some mid-price, you know, or medium price points. So uh, talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there, Ethan. First, we should know who he is. Well, he's yeah. Ethan. Well, hi. He joined <laughs> us. We all know him so well. We do. Yeah. Right. My name's Ethan. Um, I grew up in Northwest Rochester. I've lived here my whole life. Um, Graduated from John Marshall. I'm currently at Winona State, um, and I've had the pleasure of working with some first-time home buyers here in Rochester recently. And it, yeah, there's not a lot of inventory for them, but you just prepare them that maybe it's not this house, and we just we keep working, and we're going to find the house for you. And um, yeah, and you it's have, a, and I have, yes, with success. Yeah. With yeah. success, it yeah. happens. Um, it just might not be the first offer you put in, and that's just the nature of competing in multiple offers. Sure. And also as an agent, you get to jump, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you something yeah. pops up on the market. I'm not, not every one of them is coming soon, but if you see a house that goes on the market on Tuesday morning. Keeps you on your toes. You gotta look at it on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the neighborhoods I've been watching really closely is the Manor Lakes neighborhood. Average days on market is 5.5 days for the year. So houses are moving fast. 5.5 5.5 days, days on market for the year, yeah. And yeah. that's Manor Lakes Country Club Manor? And Diamond Ridge, yeah. Diamond Ridge. So mm -hmm. somebody out there might be thinking, well, that, that seems like a lot because the water cooler talk is every everybody's selling their house in two hours or that same day. So how this is maybe what someone might be thinking, but why is it that high? What, what brings well, it up to 5.5? I think it's because you have a wide price range in the manor just from the front to the back of the manor. You have houses that are going to be 230, low twos, and then you have houses all the way up to 4 and 5 towards the back of the manor. So that different price range, the houses in the 4 to 5, there's going to be more to compete with across Rochester as a whole sure. versus those lower priced houses. So the general rule still applies that those higher price range homes, they don't fly as quickly? Correct. You, you have a little bit of a smaller buyer pool. More people can get into the early, earlier priced houses. Right. Yeah. Cool. So you've got some that are even waterfront properties there, right? Said Manor Lakes. Yeah. Uh, over across by Cascade Lakes. I've been watching that neighborhood too. You've got the Cascade Lake and the trail and all those. A couple of those are on the market right now. Um, one just went pending. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And there was one straggler over there, you know, that was on the lake that uh, clearly had some price issues or condition issues, and it was on the on the market for I think ninety some days, which is crazy. Yeah. But it, but it also <laughs> pulls your average. I mean, that affects your average. Yeah, days houses in like that will pull the average from two three days all the way up yeah. to whatever. So. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a seller and I'm out there and I'm thinking I wow I should take advantage of this market and get the very best price possible. What's what's keeping me from doing that? Why is the inventory low? Well, I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding. It, you know, it is the it is the question. It's a really difficult question of I can sell my house, but where am I going to go? You know. The joke is you can buy tents at Costco because you know you may you may need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's a very delicate dance. If you have a place specific that you want to buy, a price point, um, you know, a location or a house type, it's uh, it's it's tough to be able to compete and find that house and make the timing the timing work. The the complicated thing with that is if you're a seller and I want to go buy but you can't buy without selling your house, it's I'd have to sell my house first and then now I'm on a time frame to go buy a house. Because when you're competing, you can't really have a contingent house price in your offer. Yeah. Or yeah. it makes it harder. You can still do it, but it's a little bit more complicated. Right. Poses a challenge. You just mm-hmm. got to figure out the right strategy to address that. I'm, I'm working with a client right now where they're going to be relocating in the city, and they're just looking for something larger. And in order to do that, they're going to have to, our timing is going to have to be pretty good. But it can be done. And mm-hmm. it can always be done. And it, one thing I find is interesting about this business is that things go in waves. You find a lot of similarities that kind of mm-hmm. pool up at once. And um, lately, I've had a lot of um, relocation where not, we're not just doing a, a, a sell and then buy right here in town, but some people that are taking jobs elsewhere. Right. They have to sell, and their their home has become an incredible investment for them. Investment. Um, I was talking with some people yesterday. They actually sold their house, and and um, she had an interesting comment because their house was absolutely picture perfect. I mean, you walked into it. They didn't need to change a thing to be able to photograph it and show it. And she said to me, well, we have always taken care of our house with a thought process of someday we would sell it. And I thought about that most of, the, most of yesterday because it is... The house that you purchase is probably the biggest single investment that we can make, but how many people don't take care of it like an investment? You know, mm-hmm. they live in it for years and years and years and don't invest in it. So it was just a reminder that we do need to uh, think of it as an investment. Yes, it's our home. Yes, it's our go-to place, but it is an investment and you do need to invest in it. It was just, it was an interesting part of my day yesterday. And the positive about that is, you know, how many times have we gone in to list a house and we're saying you should probably do the carpet. You should probably freshen the paint. You should, those are, I mean, those are two basic things. Um, if the light fixtures are dated, let's, let's change those out. That doesn't cost very much. And so people do that to market and don't get to enjoy yeah. it. And so coaching people that, you know, if you're going to do it, do it now and enjoy it for a while. And then when it when it's time to sell, you'll be ready because you will have, through the years, invested a little bit here and there in that. We do talk about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, those are some of my favorite conversations to have with, with potential clients too, is when people reach out and we have, they're thinking about selling someday, but they're not ready today. And they're thinking, right. well, maybe we'll do this next year, 
or just wanting to know out of curiosity, what's the value of our house? We saw that our neighbor's house sold. And then you get to talk them through some of those things where they could make that change that's gonna be all about them for a year right. or two, where that change is gonna be a real positive, you know, something that you get the use and enjoyment out of it, right. and not just let's put up the pretty paint and step right. away. Right, and, and if, if my neighbors have maintained their retaining wall and mine is crumbling, well, that explains why their house sold for that much and yours isn't going to. You know, there are, there are talking points about that because a house in prime condition, and we're seeing this a little bit more when like children are selling their parents' home mm -hmm. that they've aged in the house, with the house. <laughs> and um, you know, those houses will sell for more because an easy answer is a, a buyer, especially first-time home buyers, are already coming to the table with a lot of money. They're probably not going to have a lot left over to do a lot of upgrades because they're they're investing in it in order to compete and to get the house. So, you know, they need those things done. They it's not that they don't want to do them. It's not that they can't do them. They just need them done. So because they you know, mm -hmm. they aren't going to have the resources to do them mm -hmm. for a while. So it, it's a great talking point with people right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was going to ask you guys for a little bit of advice, too. I have a kid who just graduated from high school and is going to college. How, you have a how kid? do you invest in your home when you've got somebody in your house oh, who is going to college? <laughs> Well, your, your, your investment priorities have changed a bit there. Right, so yeah, we're investing like... in the little humans that are leaving the house. Not little humans Not anymore, any, my goodness. He's probably as tall as you. full-grown human. I still haven't wrapped my mind around that, which, you know, we'll throw back to previous podcast episodes. I just want to let everyone know I still have the wallpaper backsplash in the kitchen. Serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, my dear. <laughs> Speaking of not investing in your home, right now if something splatters on the stovetop, it's fine. <laughs> well, there is a theory that everything comes back, but I don't know that I would bank on that. <laughs> what are they, roses? They're roses. Oh, yeah. no, I don't think so. The roses on the wallpaper, but never coming back. And uh, to be honest, I've even like started peeling it in spots. Oh, even better. Right. Better. You won't notice it. There's no lighting right. underneath the cupboards. It's, it's a work in progress. Oh, dear. So then you do talk to people about the things that don't cost very much, like taking wallpaper down, Randy. <laughs> right, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> um, some people are really handy. Some people can do the do-it-yourselfer kind of thing. Um, we really like it when people understand their limitations and go, you know, maybe this is a job for the professionals. And those are all different things you have to weigh into. But we talk a lot about the 1% investment. Um, Take the the value, the market value of the your house. The market value, and you yeah. and you pre invest one percent of that into your home every year, and and that starts to add up. And the more we talk about it like that, the more we'll get questions. Even from one time, we had a guy who had spent eh, about eight eight hundred thousand plus, and it was like the first year in his house. He goes like, you know, what the heck? What what do I do? Well, they're investing in yard and landscaping and window blinds, and I mean, they are doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, this was so, a new construction, yeah. Right. So all yeah. of those things do contribute to the the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, in finishing a basement, you know, people buying a new home, and then a little. What What do you think? You know, right now, that that's a tough 
ask. And some of these things are difficult to do because the price of lumber. But then that, from what I understand, that's improving. So maybe coming into the fall might be time to do those jobs where you, you need a lot of two by fours. A little bit. Plywood, though. I know. And it's becoming and I, the new currency. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> need a bigger wallet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I pay you in sheets of plywood? <laughs> like chickens. <laughs> but I interrupted you, sir. No, I just it, it's it's a good conversation because no matter what we're looking at, refinishing your basement, doing updates, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, this again, this market is probably not going to change for the next two, three, five years. So uh, just plan accordingly, knowing that if you want to finish your basement, it might not be done this summer, right? but it could be done next year. So just plan accordingly. Yeah, this morning I was thinking about one of my first listings. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Five uh, years. Five, five years now. Five plus? Yeah, a little more than five years. And uh, one of my first listings was a um, $55,000 house. Is that the one of the furnace in the... That was the furnace in the living room, sure. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and the hot water heater was in the bathroom. Yes. It was It was tight, but there are, you know... It was cozy. It was a, yeah, cozy, exactly. You're going to be warmed up no matter where you are. The, the, the bathroom was not in the living room. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I've seen that. I've yeah. seen a bathroom in the living room. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, $55,000 house. I wonder, I have. I should look that one up, see what it, you know, estimated value is in today's market. I think that um, that's a good point, though, Ron, because sometimes sellers, sellers do think that, well, gosh, this market is so hot, I can just put my house on the market and it will go for top dollar. Not That's true. not true. Not true. Buyers are smart. Yeah. And they have seen everything out there. Mm-hmm. And they know what their money will buy. And they go, not that one. Not that yeah. one. And we do have to, that is some seller hand-holding that we have to do because they, yeah. if it isn't updated, the buyers will pass. Absolutely. Yeah, unless there is a big adjustment on the price. Right on that and you know and i i was looking with a buyer and thank goodness you know we found this buyer uh, a home but there for sure was you know a, a few where you're in a neighborhood where you expect a level with certain homes and you couldn't you weren't going to buy a home where the siding was rotting right you know and things like that without mm-hmm. that being reflected in the price that you're asking for the home and that home did sell too but it just took a little bit of, you know, movement in the price of the, the ask. Right, because buyers are very smart right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. They're savvy. Mm-hmm. Another change in our market that Ethan has experienced is open houses. Mm-hmm. You've been at a few of those. I've been doing open houses, uh, meeting people. Um, yeah, back to what you were saying, buyers are looking at everything. So open houses aren't necessarily required anymore in this market because people are looking and things are moving fast. Um, but buyers are asking the right questions about age of roof, what's the siding like, how old's the furnace, utilities and things like that. So they know what they're buying when they're moving in. And, yeah. and your most eventful open house was probably Lenwood? Oh, yeah. is there a story that I missed? Well, I got ran over at Lenwood. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Um, that was a house that needed a lot of work. Um, it was a really good price point, great neighborhood. Um, and the open house was crazy. I haven't seen anything like it. I don't remember what that was a couple months ago. Yeah. But 
Do you yeah. have like a bounce house in the front yard? I should have, or like wow, yeah. refreshments or something. I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah, that's exciting to be a part of that though, too, is to see so many people coming in with interest. Yeah, I was going to call someone to uh, organize the parking out front and direct people. It was getting crazy. A revolving door was installed. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good experience to have. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had anything like that since then. But But you have also sold houses off open houses. People have come, and there has been... um, now he was late, you had to go back. But <laughs> but the point is that not everyone is connected to an agent right now in this market. And, and there are people coming through the open houses who are trying to navigate this crazy market on their own, which is, it, it's a, amazing to me that people are trying to do that. But so you have, you know, you do have meet people who are not connected and are just out looking on their own trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Or in early stages, if you're in early stages and you're not sure what's right for you, go to go to some open houses. Right. Mm-hmm. See what's out there. You can get a pre-approval letter and kind of know where you're going to be, and then mm-hmm. just see if what's out there is what yeah. would interest mm-hmm. you right now. So. Yeah, that's a really good thing actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, people who you know maybe just hit timeout, they hit the pause button on their home search, and they're in a lease now. So they're renting, and they're maybe in a lease for 12 months, maybe more, but. It's really good to be out there well in advance of the end of your lease, just to look, get an idea of the market. And a good agent's not going to say you have to break your lease and move out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to help you through the process to figure out where you can be, mm-hmm. you know, eight months down the road now. But it's good to have, you know, figure out your finances, get pre-approved and start to put together some, you know, some thoughtful strategy mm-hmm. on how you're going to find that home when it's time to move. And I think it's important for the buyer because if they're out doing open houses and they learn what their money will buy, then they're going to be a lot more comfortable responding when you help them find the perfect house. Mm-hmm. If, if they hadn't been out doing that homework and if, if they had not been connected with you to, to help them educate them, which is all part of the process regardless of what the market is doing, it's always good to be out with an agent learning the market learning what your money's going to buy so that when the right home comes they're a lot more excited about competing um, than they would have been if you show them one or two and you know they just don't know because they don't know what else is out there yeah I, th- I think I agree with you you're saying that you will know when that right house is because you're looking at everything right versus if you're early on you could see a really nice house but pass it up because you don't know so the best thing you can do is get in as many houses as you can yeah and just just look yeah i agree he kind of sounds like a professional he does doesn't he (laughs) yeah knows what he's doing he knows his stuff that's actually a good and what you say i think is a good reflection on on what sellers should think about too they should think about the mindset of buyers i think that's really critical especially when you're trying to get the most out of your investment is think about what buyers are looking for and if they are feeling the pressure to compete on just about any house they look at if they choose to buy it. If you're looking at your home as an investment or just you want you don't want to sit on your home for 20, 30, 50 days, think about buy, what buyers are looking for where they will say, okay, I will put my money and my energy toward this purchase in today's market. You don't just pick up, throw a sign in the front and sell it. Right. With well, I mean, you could, but there's a trade-off. And it will look different for you. Absolutely. What projects do you choose to do? 
I want to go back to a, a comment you made, Randy, about leasing, because even though a buyer is in a lease, um, that's not a bad thing. They could be out looking because how many sellers have we had that said, yeah, I'll sell you my home, but I'm not going to give you possession for 60 days or more. I mean, my brother is in that exact situation where he, right. he wrote an offer in April and we're hoping he gets in by September because the seller was building new construction and that is what helped him. So in this market where sellers are selling their house so that they can move on and buy another house, if a buyer comes along that's in a lease and can say, I want your house and I'm willing to wait for it, Mm. Yeah, that that's is a really a, good thought. That's a right. lot more powerful and and persuasive than I'm just going to throw a top dollar at you and you have to make the double move. Sellers don't want to do that right now. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. And another thing to think about too, and we want to keep things, you know, we, we keep, keep life pretty positive. Uh, if you are in a lease right now and your lease is up July 31st. This July 31st? Yeah. Help. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. It is too late. Get a hotel. It, absolutely. You don't, unless you are sitting on all the cash, all of it. Even then. You are, even then, you're probably not. Who Sellers don't want to put their home on the market and move out in two weeks unless right. it's an emergency. Right. Uh, you need to be planning ahead. So you need to give yourself 90 days, I would recommend, would you say? At, I mean, least. at least. At least 90 days. If you are looking to buy a house at the end of your lease, you need to be actively looking mm -hmm. and pre-approved, ready to go, have your ducks in a row and quacking. And quacking. Mm -hmm. And least, be out looking. Yeah, and be out looking. And be out looking. 90 right. days in advance. This is so fun to be back here. It is. It's yeah. so fun to be back here. It's energizing. So thank you all. Do you have any? I think we can wrap things up here soon. Do you guys have any parting thoughts on the market? On your lives? We sh yeah. What? On my lives. <laughs> How many do I have? <laughs> okay. I think that um, it would be interesting to talk a little bit about um, where we're at. I mean, how, where are we at? Um, what are we doing today different than we were when we last gathered? What, what, um, what positives have come out of this last you know, year, year and a half? And I, I, I can certainly start. I alluded to that I was learning the skill of gardening. And um, that is not something I ever, thought I would say see myself doing because I I just I first of all I was not exposed to it as a young person um, I just never thought I would like gardening through this last year what I've learned about myself a couple things is that I restore my 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 I my spirit restores itself when I'm in nature and so I have found that gardening has become almost a therapy it is just a calming peaceful time for me and and I have I've grown a lot in that area I can even identify weeds versus plants it's really cool um, can, are you can you come visit <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I have been visiting gardens it's pretty interesting the other thing that I that I've learned about myself this last year year and a half is that I was surprised at how comfortable I was in isolation. I was, I was working from home, 
but I was more isolated than Ron was. We had kind of made that decision that that's how we would run, manage our business. And I was still working, but I became very, very comfortable in isolation. And I didn't know that about myself because I do like to be around people. But it is not, it, it is not the better part of me. I am better when I am out with people. You know, we, we tend to, when we're, when we're secluded, become a little more self-absorbed and a little less attentive to what other people are going through. And Ron and I in particular have a number of friends and neighbors who are in really, really tough battles right now, either personally or their children with cancer. And, you know, isolation, you forget some of those battles that people are fighting when they're alone. So although I became comfortable with being alone in my gardens, I find that I wasn't the best that I could be when I was during that time period. How about you? I think for me the biggest thing that I learned uh, from, I mean obviously we stayed relatively busy, but um, the biggest thing I learned is I am absolutely not ready to retire. Oh my goodness. You know, because we all, I think these things, if I, ha if I only had time, I would do this. Or if I only had time, I would do that. Well, we ended up having some of that time, and I did those things, and then I was bored. So I love my job. Um, I am absolutely not ready to retire. But I also did learn the value of connecting with people because, I mean, our job demands that we do that, but personally, I typically would be more on my own in nature or whatever, but but the value of being with people is is just absolutely paramount right now because you understand it's it's nice to sit down and have coffee with somebody and connect and and understand. So um, you know, both those things have been just just really good for me to understand about myself. Yeah, the last few months have been absolutely energizing. Uh, yeah. Getting back out, having those regular coffee meetings, mm -hmm. not being concerned much, if mm -hmm. at all, about, you know, are we wearing masks? Are we inside? Yeah. Um, there's some the habits that have come out of the pandemic that are fantastic. You know, yeah. we're giving each other a little bit of space and we're not all, you know, we're not, we don't have to worry about crowding onto a train or a bus in Rochester. It's, it's pretty casual in yeah. comparison to really big city living, but um, certainly connected, you know, we all connected with the outdoors. I think mm -hmm. many, many people did. You know, one of the first things to sell out at the very beginning of the pandemic were things for outside. You Bicycles. know, people were buying bikes and, yeah. and they're getting out and, and loving the outdoors, hopefully not too much, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I'd go for a run through Chester Woods and see a lot of people out on the trails. Right. And, and it's refreshing that we were all kind of, there was a culture shift and that culture shift seems to have lasted. Yes. And a lot of people have taken on those hobbies where they're like, they've realized that that feeds their spirit. Right. And that's fantastic. More people who never would have thought of taking up a hobby like fishing, um, however you do it, have, have taken up that hobby. And of course, that the the only downside is that it, it became harder to find bikes and boats and, yes. and skis and all those other things. Um, but it's it's really good, and I've done a lot of that too. And you know, if you hit the rewind button a little bit, and we don't want to talk about it much, but the, I think it was just the first three months that were especially difficult because we were all isolated back in 2020, right. March, April, May, and then it really opened up that summer, and now it feels so nice. There were many positives that, that did come out of it, and, and just a slower lifestyle is, is for sure one. How about for you, Andy? 
Um, I've learned a lot. I was in college all throughout the year and a half, and I got my real estate license, and I got to work with some people through it. Um, I don't think there's been a better time to learn real estate just based on the market and how crazy it is. So um, personally, I've been doing well. I love to go outside, fish, play tennis, run, all that stuff. Um, yeah, just staying connected with people and learning lots. Yeah, and I'm not, I say this jokingly, but I'm a little jealous of the really cool workouts that I see that you're doing. <laughs> you know, yes. I, I'm like, I went for a walk. I'm feeling good. I'm like, Ethan was rock climbing? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. rock climbing. So now you Yeah, just, I did pick up rock climbing. <laughs> you've just told the world that we track each other's exercise, which is how close we are oh, on we this are. team. Yeah, <laughs> we're, and we're, you know, we're technology geeks, but we're all active and, and have stayed active. And it's, it's just... One way to stay in touch. The funniest thing that Ron and I did a lot of drives last year. We'd go for we'd get in the Miata and we'd go for a lot of long drives southeastern oh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, it's it's so beautiful here if if you get out in the bluff country. But I w- we were coming home from a drive Sunday and I said to Ron, "Look at the corn." I said last year we watched it from planting to growing to harvesting, and I said this year it's like, oh my word, they're they're gonna harvest soon, you know. I mean, it was just like we missed that whole cycle that we had watched the year before, and yeah. it was like kind of sad because I also learned to value our farmers and where our food sources come from, and you know we take so much for granted, you know, your 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 corn doesn't grow in Hy-Vee's produce section. <laughs> no. <laughs> There are people who invest their lives into yeah. getting that product for us. So yeah. it, it was, there were so many wonderful things like that. Yeah. Good thoughts. Any parting ideas before we go? Other than thank you. If you've made it this far into the podcast, we really appreciate you listening. We're excited to be back. It's good to see you guys with headphones on, too. <laughs> All right. Ethan, congratulations. Thank on you. everything, jumping into the business, things are moving along nicely. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, call me, email me. What's your uh, phone number? Want me to tell you? Yeah, phone? okay. Tell us your phone number. Uh, 507-513-1310. Uh, Ethan at whitemanbrock.com. Awesome. And our website is whitemanbrock.com. That's W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-B-R-O-C-K.com. Thank you very much, y'all. Good to see you. Good to see you. Have a great day, everybody.